Welcome back to 77 Minutes in Heaven. Uh, I am Tim Cato. I am uh, co-hosting uh, a podcast here with uh, with Nick. Yeah, there you are. This is this is also the Rainbow Skyline podcast. We've got dual feeds at the Athletic. Two for one. The two for one special. It's yeah. uh, what, what, this what, is good. This is what, what a game to have a two for one special. Oh yeah, I mean the, the game itself was a two for one special. <laughs> it felt like every quarter traded off being uh, offense and then defense and then. Uh, you know, possession by possession. That was fun. Yeah, it was. You know, bare bones of it was uh, 107-106 Nuggets. Um, it was the end of a five-game road trip for Denver uh, on which they finished 3-2. and two, But, man, what a game. Uh, Jamal Murray just said this felt like a playoff game. Mason Plumlee said the same thing. I'm not sure what they said. I was, was going to say, like, I think we're getting a half season ahead of us by if we even talk about this even briefly. But this would be a really fun playoff season. That was, my, that was my first thought as I was coming in here. I'm thinking, like, my first takeaway is, like, man, this would be – Really sweet if these two teams played in the playoffs. I mean, it could be who knows what the seeding's going to be if, if that could be a first round matchup or um, you know if these teams are lucky enough to get to the second round. But man, it, it just the energy was great. I, I think uh, Nikola Jokic is in is in a pretty special place the way he's playing right now. And obviously, um, you know, Luca had it, had it cooking fifteen in the first half, then twelve in the third quarter. That third quarter was just <laughs> pretty unbelievable. Yeah, it's it's. Um... It's it's incredible. I, I do feel like these teams are like very evenly matched. Both you know both had injuries on on each side. Uh, that that Kristaps Porzingis one from the Mavericks perspective is is massive. I think in the the first game that these two teams played together, that Dallas won. It was pretty clear that the way he stretched the floor, you know, a lot a lot uh, in, in a way that Maxi Kleba can't can't. You know, uh, Porzingis clearly shifts uh, defenses towards him. Uh, so you know there was there was clearly an, an absence there. You know maybe uh, him defending Jokic in the post on the and the final play would have would have changed something had he had he been in the right. game and, and healthy for those things. But you know overall you know these these are two Western Conference uh, you know powerhouses. I, I think you know both clearly a step below where the the LA teams are yeah. right now. Right. Uh, with with Denver Denver having a better chance of getting up there. I think well, yeah, yeah th- these teams I think along with Houston are kind of in that. Certainly in that next tier, right. the way Utah's playing, you kind of throw them, throw them in that, and, and that makes kind of three through six in the West in my mind right now is is really kind of anywhere. You know, D- Denver probably a little bit more just because they've um, they've been there now a for sure. Bit. For sure, still going to have to have their first rodeo, so to speak. Um, and, and I think I think that gives Denver a little edge. Um, How much is Denver? Do you think playing their best possible basketball right now? Um, you I, think, know. I think they're getting there. They're getting there a little bit. Um, it was good for them to see tonight. You know, they go into the third quarter uh, down by down by three. They were down eighty nine to eighty six, and then uh, Dallas builds a quick seven point lead. I think they were up ninety three to eighty six a couple minutes into the fourth quarter, um, and, and then the Nuggets kind of really put the clamps on defensively. And, and we hadn't seen them do that in a while. That's that's been the biggest thing I think holding the Nuggets back is that early in the year they had a top three defense. They were really flying around, holding a bunch of opponents under hundred points. Um, and then, and then their, their, but their offense wasn't playing well. Middle of December, it, it just flips, and off, all of a sudden, the Nuggets look like the Nuggets of old in terms of how they're playing offensively. But then now they can't stop anybody. So I think for them, it was important to have that fourth quarter tonight where they they held Dallas to 17 points and kind of got back to, got back to what they did well. Um, but I, I would say they're much they're closer to playing their their best. They're closer to playing their optimum level of basketball than they were uh, a couple weeks ago. And after a really bad loss in Washington on Saturday night to close the, the road trip out like this for them was was pretty big. But I mean, there there was a lot for Dallas to like in this game, this game too. And, and it just especially the way that um, you know Luca was at fifteen and seven in the first half, and it just seemed like um, the ball was moving for them really well. Yeah, there was a lot to like up and, up until the very end when when that 
you know, it, it's been a storyline in Dallas that the clutch offense has stalled for them. It, it, you know, it feels like repeatedly, and it, it kind of feels that Luca, you know, just so incredible for you know forty four minutes, the first forty four minutes of the game, and, and still great, you know, in moments and in, in those final four, but. But, you know, Denver was just very clearly, hey, we're going to double you. We're going to blitz this pick and roll. We are going to get the ball out of your hands. And I think the last play was a, a pretty optimum example, was a pretty optimal example of that, uh, yeah. you know, that defense working. And all of a sudden, it's Dorian Finney-Smith having to make a uh, play. Great closeout, amazing closeout to get there. Um, you know, just yeah, really good Beasley. defense. Yeah, yeah, Beasley was, was you know, I, I'm, I, I, I looked that back and I thought originally that, Finney Smith should have taken that three. I, I do think that Beasley was right there. Right. That that unless it was just an instant quick t- trigger, you know, from a from a very quick shooter, yeah. which Finney Smith is, is not quite that. Um, I, I'm not sure he was going to be able to get that off. Should he have taken the the, the mid range after he after he? Yeah, I think that was the only play available. If yeah. if um if the pass was on target, obviously it was not. But if the pass was on target, it would have been getting to. Uh, I believe Hardaway's hands with like 0. 0.3, yeah. maybe 0. 0.6. Like at most, it would have been about 0. 0.6 seconds. It would have been hitting his hands, and that even that is a really quick, you know, release for a you know quick turnaround for a uh, catch and shoot. Well, let's rewind it back to um, Denver's last possession because yeah. they're down by they're, they're down by one. There's 23.2 seconds left when they inbound the ball. Um, they post into Jokic. Murray enters it to Jokic. And Jokic just said in the post game that he didn't realize at first that they had that they had gotten the switch. He didn't realize that it was Finney Smith on him, so that's why he passed it back out to Murray. Uh, he was going to try to get deeper post position, but when he passed it out, deflected. Murray's got to go to half court um, now that the clock's ticking down. Malone really said uh, said I really like that we stuck with it and, and reposted it back. And by that time, he he did understand that uh, fin- Finney Smith was on him. I was surprised that the help came as late as it did. Did Rick Carlisle say anything about about that final possession? Yeah, yeah, he took he took um, blame for it. Uh, he said, "Hey, that's on me." He, you know, he, as Carlisle does, he wouldn't really talk about strategy or why he chose not to double. Um, it's just a, I think he's a stickler about. But uh, he he did take the blame for it. Said, "Yeah, we probably should have doubled." Um, I, I think blame, deserved blame, comes even before that. that it sh- it, it's weird off an inbounds like that that the switch would even happen. Finney yeah. Smith should not have been guarding him. Right uh, on a on a play like that, you gotta you have to stick the big man. You know you have to make sure you stick on an off ball action like that. You know I don't think there's any you know great excuse for for that being able to happen. Um, it, like you said, Dallas probably should have gone and had gone ahead and doubled. But with Jokic, like that's kind of what he wants you to do. Yeah. Uh, when when it comes down to it, so well, he, that's he, even, tough... he even said that because because he was asked, are you surprised they didn't double? And in his very like humble way, which he, he totally is, he said, um, "He's like, no, I think they were afraid of, of an open shot." Which which is, is kind of his very <laughs> humble way of saying that if you double me, I am going to find the open person in kind of a pinpoint way. Um, but at the same time, it's just like the way this guy is playing in the post right now. I mean, you you could you could have had a big man on him, uh, a strong big man on him, and chances are he's still going to have a pretty good ch- chance to score in the post. So, uh, but oh, yeah. you know that, that that aside, I mean, it was just. At the end of the third quarter, we mentioned it for a second ago. At the end of the third quarter, Jokic hits two threes, um, you know, and, and that that sort of would have been maybe the Nuggets' first opportunity to kind of jump ahead a little bit. But Dallas ended the third quarter with th- three straight three-pointers on their final three possessions, not including the uh, Steph Curry chuck at, at the buzzer. I, I mean, like, I know Dallas can shoot, but that was <laughs> that was something. I know, I know. It's always a little bit silly and to read into. Oh, the game feels like it's going this way. It feels like it's going that way. 
Um, the game felt like it was going in Dallas's yeah, momentum. Really but in the in the well, I thought that in the first half, and weirdly, when they hit those threes in a row, um, I, I got a little bit nervous for them because I was like, these are not sustainable threes. These right. are like there's already signs of the offense breaking down because two of the threes were one of them was Justin Jackson of all people, mm-hmm. you know, just just facing down and and saying I'm going to rise up because there's two seconds left on the yeah. shot clock. Uh, Tim Hardaway Jr. did the same thing. I, I, I think a possession or two sooner. Um, there is a wide open Seth Curry three mixed right. in there, so you know you expect that that type of shot to go down. So we're saying it's the, the expected field goal percentage on these. Uh, right, <laughs> you you would think it was lower, and so I was like, huh, that that all of a sudden this offense, and I can't remember if Luca was on the floor then or if he'd already got subbed out at that point. I think he had probably got subbed out during yeah. one of those uh, plays. Usually he comes out late, um, late, late, yeah, late in the third quarters. Um, but yeah, it was it was funny because I was just like that. That's not where the offense should be coming from, and the fact that they're having to go to you know these unexpected threes that are that just happen to be going in late late in the shot clock, you know that's maybe not the best sign. And as it turns out, they they couldn't really score all that well in the uh, in the fourth quarter. So you know I, I think it is a testament to the Denver defense picking up a bit. Um, you know, Denver was better defensively uh, throughout, like to start the year, right? You, yeah, you're saying, yeah. and then no, they, uh, they have that they just for whatever reason, yeah, they, that they've kind of. During their um, before they, I mean, actually leading into this game over the last seven games, uh, I think they had the second worst offense in basketball. So that's a, I mean, it's still a small sample size, but there's if, definitely been some slippage. If your if your defensive style is you know uh, frantic, rapid transitions and rotations, it's always going to be easier to play defense those first twenty games. Right. So, <laughs> so clearly it does wear on yeah. you. But but hey, it's it, you know clearly it's a testament that they can get up for a game that did feel like a playoff game. You know where. Everybody was standing for the last two minutes, and yep. we had to like stir. We 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 snuck down from our media seats <laughs> because uh, we didn't want to be uh, you know salmon s- swimming upstream right when the game ended. Right. Uh, so we ended up being like kind of stuck underneath a uh, expansion. So yeah, we were just staring up at the jumbotron because everybody was up, and it was you know it was a very slow arriving crowd for a uh, for a late or a, right. early. It was a very slow arriving crowd for an early start, but. You know, I thought the crowd, you know, by the end of it, it was was really into it. Yeah. You know, was upset with the refs. You know, I, I think all I, the, I will all say, you want to yeah, yeah. <laughs> I think the, the number one way to always get your crowd involved it's it's not all the stuff you do during the timeouts. It's one bad call right. that they just, or maybe maybe two in a row in quick succession, and all of a sudden your crowd, you know, they're, they're getting rowdy and, and yeah. upset and yelling and. Yeah, I, I feel like they. Uh, you should always have that like scripted into. Hey, Brett, can you just blow <laughs> yeah. one early so that we got the crowd noise right. going the rest right. of the I'm game? I'm gonna pretend to be real mad at you, but you know, <laughs> we'll, we'll take care of it on the back end. Yeah, you know, absolutely. That, yeah, that, it it really did get um, get pretty rowdy. You know, it, it was interesting. You mentioned um, you know Porzingis being out t- tonight and, and Dallas not being able to you know kind of replace all, all the things that he does. The, the Nuggets were without Paul Millsap tonight, but I, I think they their biggest offseason addition was Jeremy Grant. And um, it didn't start off as smoothly, I think, as, as both parties had hoped when the year began. Um, you know, he was kind of settling for a lot of outside shots, and he wasn't hitting the three-pointer at a very high rate. Um, and, and so that was kind of, um, you know, clouding the rest of rest of what he's capable of. Uh, but he was huge tonight. Um, you know, he had, he had, he had 15 points. I believe 13 of them were in the first half, but it was his defense. There was one possession where uh, he gets switched on to Luca one on one. You know, blocks a shot. Luca gets it back, uh, and, and and he's kind of going through his bag of tricks again. And, and Grant stays down and blocks him for a second time. Um, and and those are the kind of plays that with his length and, and he's really a, a really switchable 
you know, kind of long guy that they that they didn't have last year. That's just not an element that they've had on their team before. And these are the games, Michael Malone said it like this is this is the kind of game where you see why we traded for Jeremy Grant because in those late game moments, especially hit, when you had his length plus six foot eight Tory Craig were the were the two guys that forced that ball out of Lucas Lucas hands. I mean, it's it's just a lot of length to deal with. And when you when you can start throwing Michael Porter into the mix along with that, um, you know, Denver all of a sudden has something they didn't have a year ago. He's a he's absolutely a linking piece. You you have, you know, you know, two two guys that are offensive minded in a lineup, and you got two guys who are defensive minded minded in a lineup, and you kind of put them in to bridge that gap sometimes. Yeah. You know, I, I know he definitely did that a lot with Oklahoma City. Um, a player I love. You know, I, I do think that uh, he's you know he's in that same uh, Al Farouk Aminu role, yeah. and, and you know Dorian Finney-Smith a little bit. Uh, although I think Finney-Smith is a little better offensively, a little worse. Um, I think Grant is is you know a little worse offensively, a little better defensively yeah. than than someone like Finney Smith. But you know that that's the mold of the player, and and it's it's cool to see a player like that, and, and you kind of go into the season with like middling expectations for them, and you can't quite find the role for them, and all of a sudden the season's over and they played like twenty two hundred minutes. Yeah, and it's just like it's it's not it's not that they're the best at at shooting or the best at specifically shot blocking or, or, you know, any singular thing. It's just that, you know, they blend those two things and, and they're, it's just hard to get them off the floor, you know, when they can do stuff to, to Luca, like, you know, like he did, you know, switch out and, right. and, you know, cover him accurately and, 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 and things like that. It's, it's an impressive uh, archetype that has really, you know, shown these past five years in the league. Yeah. I think. I, yeah. And that's, that's the Sean Marion. It's so wild. Yeah. Sean Marion was like right. one of the first ones and right. like he's, and now there's like you that's know ten or ten or fifteen of them in the league, and it's wild too when you think. I mean, Jeremy Grant, you say he's the sixth year in the league. He's only twenty five years old, um, so so he's a guy that I think uh, again just just to, to have you know he he basically took over Trey Lyles' spot in, in the lineup from last year. The dip, the main difference being that you know Trey Lyles was a twenty two percent three point shooter throughout the year, um, even after his slow start. Torrey Craig's, I mean, um, excuse me, Jeremy Grant's already almost up to forty percent. From three, he had a couple couple big ones tonight. Um, you know, so again, it's just it, I'll be interested to see when they play in the playoffs because last year um, it was it was mostly Nikola Jokic and Paul Millsap getting the, the majority of the front court minutes with Mason Plumlee being kind of the only front court sub to, to throw in there more or less. And they would play Tory Craig at some power forward here and there, um, but it, I'll be interested to see what they do with that with that element whether that allows them to maybe. Play a little bit smaller. Play Grant some minutes at the five if if Plumlee's if his matchups aren't working well for him. Um, so that, that's that's when you really get to see what what that element you added really does for you is when the playoffs start. Right. What so what, so what else? Uh, this this doesn't. Play? I don't have a I don't have a smooth transition for this. But can we appreciate the irony that um that the the game winning play was a post up about a week or two <laughs> about two weeks after Rick Carlisle said it was a uh, not an efficient shot anymore and you know obviously like the, the context there is that for Nikola Jokic on a on a uh, on a mismatch on a after a switch um, when he is the passer he is when he has you know a, a body type that is that allows him to get closer to the rim as he did on that game winning play of course it's a good play you know Rick wasn't saying that but right. I, I have to appreciate the irony of, of Rick you know Rick's team going down on a on a post up on a on a final possession there and, and you know I think it does highlight you know the reason Porzingis is not good at those things you know not good at post ups is you know definitely the passing you know for one he, he doesn't you know he can't go find the mismatch if, if you do double him 
but but even more than that, you know, his center of gravity is so high, he can't yeah. really move players. You know, it, it's a it's a different body type than Jokic, and, and I don't think there's you know he can put on as much weight as he can. You know, his center of gravity is still going to be at like his uh, chest, yeah. basically. Yeah. So no, it's it's a really good point. It was funny the, the day that that um, that that quote came out when he was was talking about Porzingis and in the, the post up not being. Um, you know, a good, a good, good shot. Malone was actually asked about that. And he's, and he, and he sort of sympathized with, with a lot of coaches in the league. And he said, he's like, I can't have Nicole Jokic and not think that a post-up is, is right. an effective, an effective weapon. And, um, you know, it, you, you go and you look at, you know, you look at the synergy numbers and, um, Jokic is good in post-ups. It's not like some kind of, um, it blow your mind out of the water type of efficiency. What's the number? Oh gosh, on the spot. Yeah, I, I mean, really I mean it's, it's the kind of the good category. So gotcha. I think probably in the sixties, seventies, seventies percentile. Yeah. Um, so that's, the that's last probably time. about probably about a point per possession. Yeah. I would guess. Yeah. You know, maybe just under, just over, somewhere around there. I'll have to maybe check just it. under is, is it's probably bumped up after pouring forty seven <laughs> on the Hawks. Almost exclusively on post ups outside of his four right. threes, he hit four more threes. I want to say I want to say Embiid's just about the best in the league, and I want to say I just saw his stat; it's about one point three points yeah. per possession. That's obviously a really really good figure. Yeah. You know, I think it, in average offense, if you can get a point of possession, well, he's a guy that a lot of a lot of people I think rightfully say sometimes like why not just all you know right why not right more right yeah and for him like he can't shoot jump jumpers and, right. and it's it's when you put him in the post that he's he's as good as he has and obviously if Carlisle had Joel Embiid. Yeah. He would post them up right, plenty. Like it's not, it's not an inherent thing. It's just no, that's it, and that part of that right is defending your guys. And exactly. I mean, like, and, and obviously sure. that that's the t- that that is the tenet of their offense. Like that that's I mean post ups are not included in that, but in part of that's uh, it's also just have, having your guys back. Right. What do you what do you think happens if if you know both teams are fully healthy? Since we're talking about Porzingis yeah. a little bit, no, it's it's a it's a really good question. That and that's you know you do you I think March 11th they come back and play here again is what I was looking at. So I right. think that'll be the last time that they play in the regular season. So hopefully uh, hopefully he'll be back then and we get to kind of see it. Uh, but I think it's what you mentioned to start with is that, um, you know, he can he can stretch the floor. The difference, obviously, is that when he stretches the floor, yeah, he's, he can be a shooter, but he can also he can also put the ball on the floor effectively. Um, and, and, and that will, I think, be a, a bigger challenge for, for Jokic. Um, you know, they, they kind of, I think, the Nuggets in, in, in this game and, and their defensive strategy in general will kind of live with it a little bit if the big that Jokic is guarding um, can step out and, and hit threes. They'll, they'll try to rotate on the back end. They'll, they'll try to get those rotations crisp, but they're going to kind of live with it to a certain degree. But if you have Porzingis yeah. in there, it's going to it's gonna make Jokic move more on defense. And I, and I think that can be – when Jokic is able to kind of stay in somewhat of a, of a sphere, what he, what he likes to do – is he likes to be able to play up high on the pick and roll. He doesn't like to sit back and, and kind of be vulnerable to a guy coming downhill. And the Nuggets have 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 acquiesced to that more or less, and and it's and it's become a little bit more of an effective strategy for them. Um, but he does, I think, sometimes struggle when they play that strategy, and then he's got to recover onto bigs who um, you know can put the ball on the floor and move. So. Um, you know, and, and like I think in the first game, it was actually Paul Millsap that guarded guarded Porzingis quite a bit. He, he has a lot of Paul Millsap has a lot of unenviable assignments um, because of you know some of what Jokic isn't good at. He has to cover for, and he's a six foot seven power forward who had to guard Anthony Davis in LA the other day. So I'm not sure exactly how that would work, but um, you know that that would that would be my take on the element is that he would be able to to put more stress on Denver's defense. Um, which what's your thought on it? Yeah, I think it's I think it's very similar. You know, I, I do think that that's what Porzingis does best is that 
you know, when you go five out with him, it's it's always going to be a little bit different than if you're going five out with Maxi Kleba, who is, you know, a, a good shooter. You know, I was, you know, I think we were both surprised. I looked it up when we were on press row and he's shooting, uh, you know, 40% yeah. on, on four or five attempts a game. Uh, but but he's still the guy that, if you know, if you're going to pick someone in the lineup to leave open, you're going to leave him open. Yeah. And the reason he's shooting 40% is because teams so constantly do pick him as the guy to leave open. And so... You know, he's hitting forty percent, but that's two or five. On yeah, the especially in the playoffs. Um, oh yeah, you 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 definitely choose one guy and you leave him completely open, and then sort of the pressure of it starts to hit a little bit. I think for for guys of like, uh, they're giving me the shot. Like, is that because I'm not good at shooting it, or whatever the case might be? I remember um, even like playing pickup, and it's, yeah. it, when someone just totally it's leaves you, it really does because you know you you usually get you know maybe two or three or four open looks a game, right? It, once you start shooting that fourth and fifth and sixth open three-pointer, and, you know, maybe you've hit a couple, but a couple more have missed, you start thinking, wait, is this what I'm supposed to do? Like, this feels unnatural. Right. This feels like like I'm just so out of the loop. Like, like it's not, it's turned into, it, it's turned into, like, shooting practice, not basketball. And it feels, you know, just so inherently different. And then you have to run back down on the other side and run back up, and maybe you're open again. It's a very weird feeling. And I'm, I'm you know, that's just on an amateur level. Yeah. You know, I, I imagine, you know, it's, it's probably a similar thing when, when uh, shooters are, you know, put in that situation in the playoffs, and that's why teams do it, and that's why, you know, so often that you you get certain players played off the floor because they just, yeah. you know, they can't get their shot going in consistently to to really change the defense. Let's pick out a couple like other small things yeah. uh, from from each side, and then we'll kind of wrap. You it want up. to talk more amateur basketball? <laughs> <laughs> Nobody wants to know about my amateur basketball. It was, uh, you're talking about getting these open shots. I'm like, I was been, played off the floor in the preseason. <laughs> <laughs> I've been retired for like a year, man. My knees are dead. Uh, but yeah, no, let's do it. So, but um, you know, one of the one of the guys for the Nuggets that that I thought played really well tonight, and it continued to trend for him uh, on this road trip and over the last couple of weeks, is Monte Morris came in with that second unit. And I, I mentioned early in the fourth quarter that they dropped behind um, uh, 93 to 86. And the, the game at that, you know, it was, you know, you know, Jokic needed a rest. He was going to be resting a couple more minutes. And there's been t- a lot of times this year where the bench has kind of let go of the rope for the Nuggets. And, um, you know, he hits it. He um, he hits a jumper. Um, then he gets in the lane, th- th- throws a lot to pl- actually it was it was Plumlee first scored on a post up, uh, but then. Morris initiated the offense, then came around and hit a corner three, um, and then he went downhill and threw a lot for Plumlee. Uh, I think he finished with nine points and five assists and, um, you know, had 14 the other night against Atlanta, 18 against the Rockets. Uh, when you have a backup point guard that's going to be able to, to create, and he does such a good job taking care of the ball in a game, and the, the Nuggets were otherwise kind of throwing it around a little bit in the first half, um, he, he, he's starting to find it, and I think that that adds, that adds another element for him because – he can play with Jamal Murray. Sometimes it's good for Jamal Murray to get off the ball a little bit, um, you know, become a little bit more of a spot up shooter, uh, at least in certain parts of the game. Uh, so I thought he had another he had another good night from from kind of a uh, inside the Nuggets perspective. Uh, what else do you stood out about Dallas? Yeah, I'll, I'll do I'll do a similar, and, and I think um, I won't I won't do crunch time offense. I think I'm going to write about that. But I think I think the one thing I want to say is that I thought up until the the final two possessions, Dorian Finney-Smith had a, had another hell of a game. Yeah, you know he is he is like like we were saying he's the Jeremy Grant of this team. You know I think he's the you know just a guy who who soaks up minutes. You know I think he's third on the team in minutes just because you know he's always doing something good. You know he has turned into a fairly reliable catch and shoot uh, player this year. You know that that last possession aside. Uh, he has been someone who has been shooting and releasing, you know, really confidently this year. We saw it a few times. He actually did have a, a huge three. I think that 
did it make it uh, 104, 101, 114, yes. 111? Yeah. Uh, something, something well, like 104, that. 104, 101, I believe. Yeah, yeah, I believe so. And that, that was, uh, that was somewhere in the, uh, in the, in the last few minutes. Yeah. And, uh, that was a massive shot. I mean, that's not the first one he's hit in the final, you know, two or three minutes of games. He's hit some big shots. Um, but, but he did hesitate for a second. You know, he's still obviously a, um, a, you know, as confident as he is, you know, he's, yeah, I don't think he has shooter in his, uh, in his blood or in his DNA. If, if I could borrow that yeah. way too often used cliche. <laughs> um, so he, so he's still growing into that role. And obviously on the, on that last very final shot, he panicked a little bit. And, you know, like I said, Beasley just had that incredible closeout, but you know, uh, it, it you know, I don't think it's going to shake his confidence. I think he's still going to be a, uh, you know, to get scored over to, to miss that shot, you know, I'm, I'm it's gonna it's gonna impact you in the sense that you're gonna feel you know bad about it you know that that night but yeah you know and and but but he's still you know an essential player on this team and it's just it's marvelous and remarkable how good he really has been this season for the Dallas yeah no no doubt and that that's again we we're talking about you you're gonna it's gonna be interesting I think that that's why it'd be cool to watch these teams play in a playoff series because you know who's that guy that's you know Luca and, and Jokic will will put on a show every night because I I think when Luca gets in the playoffs. He, he's going to elevate himself to another level. There was so much concern last year that Jokic wasn't, you know, his first playoffs, like teams are going to game plan for him. And, and of course we know what he did. He, he averaged 25, 14 and nine. Uh, he was incredible. Um, and so, you know, those guys are going to be stars if they were to meet in a theoretical playoff matchup, it, it would be, you know, who, who are some of these other guys that would come in and ha- have their big moments? Right. And I think those are the people that you, you know, do need that taste of playoff success. Like with Luca, you know, he's, He's done the playoffs. Yeah. You know, he is he has won titles in Europe and you know, he's been there, done that. But but the thing I keep saying about this team, you know, this Mavericks team is that they are ahead of schedule, mm-hmm. that you know, they are very young, that they have not been to the playoffs. You know, there's maybe two people on this roster who have played in playoff games, there's a couple more than that. But you know, out of the rotation players, there's about two yeah. or three. And uh this this is a this is a formative year for them. This is not a year where you go in and you know, you go all in and you trade a young player for a veteran to make a postseason run because, you know, I, I don't, I just don't think it makes a lot of sense for them because they do need to, you know, get this group, this core of players who will be around for, you know, a couple of years now into the playoffs together so they know what it's like and then headed into next season and the one after. That's that's when you start looking, all right, you know, we, we may be young, but we were in our experience. We've now done this before. Um, and now we feel a lot more confident headed into, you know, postseason series that, that this this could be a team that that has something more in it. So, you know, it's so so. I guess what I'm trying to say is it's a fun it's a fun season for the Mavs. They, yeah. should, they should enjoy this. You know, losses like this suck, and and you know they're they're tied and close. But you know they've been overachieving a little bit this whole time, and they have almost a guaranteed ride to the playoffs. Like yeah. they would have really have to to screw around these these uh, the second half of the season for for uh, for a postseason uh, appearance not to happen. Oh, for especially them. when you look at the seventh and eighth season, though, yeah. the West are just so far back. Exactly. It's just like... You, it I think I heard today, uh, the Mavericks are nine games up on the ninth seed. Yeah. Which sounds crazy yeah. because there were, what, 36 games into the season? Yeah. This I was believe De- this was... Denver's 37th game. So. Yeah, this was Dallas's 36th, I believe. Yeah. So, yeah. Yeah, so, any... Anyway, well, you want to take us out of here? Yeah, I can do that. Um, <laughs> man... This is this is the first one I had. Uh, had Dave Dufour. Oh yeah, uh, Dave Dufour. Dave yeah. Dufour. He, yeah, a professional podcaster. Yeah, I know, I know. The the, the pro at this, but uh, but yeah, this was uh, seventy seven minutes in heaven and the Rainbow Skyline podcast coming at you from a unnamed room in the American Airlines Center. Uh, we will record here soon, maybe. Yeah. Uh, especially if there's a playoff series, you're definitely here from us then. Take care.